Hello, my name is Donnie Smith, and I'm the pastor here at Ascension Christian Center in Apopka, Florida. I hope this message changes, impacts, and challenges you in your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you enjoy the message, you can connect with us on our website, Facebook, or Instagram at Ascension Christian Center. Thank you, and enjoy. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 through 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 through 11. I am particular about reading out of the New King James. You'll see me jump around a little bit, but typically I read out of the New King James. It'll be up on the screen if for whatever reason you don't have your Bible. And it says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I don't want you to be ignorant. Look at somebody and say, Don't be. <laughs> don't be ignorant, for you know that you were once Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed. And no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now, there are diversities of gifts. Somebody say diversities. There's lots of different gifts. There's lots of different ministries. He goes on to say there's diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. In other words, say it's the same God. Everybody say the same God. So it's the same spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For one is given the word of wisdom through the spirit. To another, the word of knowledge through the same spirit, to another faith by the same spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, and to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. I love this scripture because it talks about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Since a young man, about 17 or 18 years old, I've had a particular interest in the gifts of the Spirit. I, in particular, am very interested in them now. As I have seen as church has evolved over the past almost 20 years that I've been serving the Lord church has evolved into, to the greater degree, uh, with the exception of some churches, um, a good show on Sunday morning. I believe we have mastered lights. We have mastered arts. We have even mastered to a degree. When I say we, I don't mean me in this scenario. We've even mastered uh, public communication. I don't know if I would call most of it preaching anymore. Uh, many encouraging messages However, I am not really seeing the gifts of the Spirit of God as active as they once were. I don't know about you, but if there is a miracle beyond a healing of a back or a foot ache, um, I'm surprised because there's not a whole lot of God working by his Holy Spirit, at least what I have seen as of late. And I believe that's contributed to the larger degree because we're not believing him for it or we are, not, we are not growing or positioning ourselves to grow in the Spirit. Come on, somebody say amen to that. You're looking like a, a deer in the headlights. 
There's nine gifts mentioned in 1 Corinthians 12. He mentions, and I'm, for the, for the, not only the sake of time, but for the sake of what I'm preaching on today, I'm going to just lightly mention them and what those gifts are for. Tamaki may correct me after service, but I'll do my best analysis on these, on these nine gifts. First, he mentioned, in 1 Corinthians 12, he mentioned the word of wisdom. Everybody say the word of wisdom. The word of wisdom is a gift that someone is given to give wisdom into a certain situation they may not have direction for. There is an in-depth explanation for it, but I won't give it this morning. There's also the word of knowledge. Everybody say the word of knowledge. The word of knowledge you have seen, yes, some of it has been um, planned, I guess you would say, and some of it is a little foofy these days. When you see someone say, I see someone in a crowd of 3,000 people, someone has a backache here, more than likely in a crowd of 3,000 people, you're going to find someone there with a backache. Come on, somebody say amen. But this is a real gift. It's the word of knowledge. It's, it's the ability to see past what's happening in the natural, and it's something that God gives you to discern what a person is dealing with. That is the word of knowledge. Then there is the faith. Everybody say faith. Faith is a God-given ability to believe for something bigger than your natural mind can comprehend or believe for. And the Bible talks about faith is the substance of things hoped for, that believing something and having evidence in your inner man, knowing that something is going to happen that you couldn't know apart from this gift. And faith has the ability to bring out of the heavenlies or out of the spiritual realm and make it manifest in the natural. That's faith. Everybody say faith. This is a God-given gift to the body of Christ. And then there's the gifts of healings. I think that goes without any elaborate explanation. Seeing someone have hands laid on them and them being healed. And now can I tell you this? Although it may not be active, as active as it was in the early church, can I tell you that God does still heal? God does still work miracles. I think it's a matter of us maybe not positioning ourselves or putting ourselves in positions where, whereby God can't because we have too many answers in pill bottles these days. But there are places in the world that you go where it's not so readily available, where they have no other choice but to believe God for miracles, and they are seeing them in droves. I've seen people's feet grow out. I've seen people who had cancer. I've seen people who were on their deathbeds where God supernaturally healed them, so God does still heal. Somebody say, God still heals. And then there's the word of prophecy, which is probably my personal favorite. This is a person who has a gift to declare what God is saying and wants to say to his people. Then there, number seven is the discerning of spirits. Have you ever, especially women, they, they're really good with this one. And you know something, and then you say to your friends, remember I told you that this was going to happen? Or you can pick up something from a certain person and you know there's a spirit or something that's on this person. Come on, you guys don't know what I'm talking about. I'm trying to be nice right now. You just get around a certain person, they put off this certain aura and nobody else can see it. And you're like, I guarantee you this person practices this type of lifestyle. Or you get something from them. That is a gift of discernment. When you know something that you couldn't know apart from the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then there's the gift of tongues and then interpretation of tongues. And this is simply a language that God gives you when you're filled with the Holy Spirit that the devil cannot understand. If you're not praying in the Holy Spirit daily, somebody say daily, 
Jude talks about speaking in the spirit or praying in the spirit so that your most holy faith gets built up and strengthened. Amen? So all these gifts in a nutshell are given to the body of Christ so that the body of Christ can be strengthened and and graced to, to be strengthened so that they can be effective in the earth and become the church that God designed it to be. Come on, you guys are looking at me like, the gifts are given by the Holy Spirit so that you can strengthen one another because not everybody has all of the answers. Not one person, but God gave diversity of gifts so that we can all learn and grow from one another. Note, the gifts of the Spirit are not to be worn as a medal of honor. Come on, if you grew up in a church that I grew up in, they are not to be uh, uh, paraded around. Come on, if you have the gift of prophecy, God didn't give you a word every single Sunday. The gifts of the Spirit are not supposed to be worn around on Sunday morning as a badge of honor. They are called gifts because they're just that. God gave them to you. And if you've been given something, you shouldn't be prideful using them. They are gifts. Say gifts. And God gave each and every one of us a natural gift and a spiritual gift to contribute to the body of Christ at large. Why am I talking about this this morning? Because more now than ever, we need to begin to operate and step into the area of gifting that God has called us to because America, the United States of America, needs you more as a believer to be more than just a pew sitter on Sunday morning. Somebody say amen, preacher. God is calling us in this hour not to fall into depression, not to withdraw from the church, but God is calling us more than ever to step into the area of gifting that he's called us to so that we might see the fullness of Christ at work in the body through the local church more than ever before. Look at somebody and say, get involved. Can I tell you what church is not? Church is not just a social place where we can mingle and meet with people because I know there are some of you who love to mingle with people. Notice I said, and it's, it's, just, it's not just. It's also a place to find godly friends that we can fellowship with and do life with. Church is not just a place that you can come and get touched by God. It's not only that. It is that, though. How many need a touch every now and again? I don't know about you. But it's also a place that you can come to God Come on, and touch him through your worship. It's not just a place that you can come and hear a minister or ministers that will teach you to grow in your relationship with Jesus. It's also a place that you can share your gifting and operate in the calling that God has called you specifically to. Look at someone and say, you have a calling. Look at someone else, even if you have to look across the room and say, you have a divine calling from God. Yes, we all have a divine mandate, a calling, a specific design and intent that God has for you to operate in so that you strengthen the local body. And I'll tell you why that is in just a moment. So it's not just a place where you can come and hear the minister, but also a place that you can come and minister to others and offer your gift to others. To sum it up, church is a place where we can both give and receive from God and people. And can I be honest with you, this church and many other churches 
have done, has done a very poor job at discipling and helping give room and developing these gifts in people's lives. And all God's people should very well say amen. We haven't done a great job at that. I have not done a great job at that. Today, I'm going to minister from this subject called gifted. Everybody say gifted. I like to get you to repeat so you don't fall asleep um, if you're wondering why I like you to repeat after me. And there's specific reasons why God wants to gift you in the body of Christ. Can I give you just four of them this morning and encourage you? Number one, he wants you, talking to you and you and you, he wants you to reflect the son, S-O-N. He wants you to reflect, everybody say son. He wants you to reflect the son. When the Lord gifts you with something, here's his reasoning. God wants to so fill you with his gifts, so fill you with his Holy Spirit that when people encounter you, they see Jesus in you. And when God puts a gift, especially those who have developed the gift, because the gift is, doesn't, it's not just born, developed, and fully matured. It's sometimes it's at an infant state, but each and every one of us has gifts. Each and every one of us have a seed of greatness that God has put in us to use to bless the nations of the world or bless your city or bless your home or bless whatever sphere of influence it is that you have. The Lord wants people to see his reflection in the gifting that he has given you, listen to me, because it's a reminder to people or it should be a reminder to, pe be a reminder to people that God's not dead. When people see you, it should be a reminder that, man, I see the Lord in that person's life. Have you ever known someone like that? Okay, well, maybe you haven't. I know there's a lot of... I have... A, she's like a surrogate mother, not to diminish my mom's influence in my life. My, my life. My, I love my mom. My mom is amazing. My mom... I remember my mom really reading the scriptures to me when I was a little young boy, probably my son Cohen's age. But I remember four houses down... My friend Matthew, who's been my best friend for about 28 years, um, he had a mother from Trinidad, Tobago. Her hair stretched, literally. It drug on the floor. She was from Trinidad, Tobago. And this lady was like an angel. Her name is Shafina. The sweetest person I've ever known, even till this day. And I remember her on Wednesdays taking this heathen young man, myself. I was a heathen. She would drag me to Wednesday church. She would drag me to Sunday church. Didn't know who she was investing into. But that was one person who I seen Jesus in. If I'd seen Jesus in anybody, it was her. And that's the way that the Lord wants to use us. He wants us to develop so much with Christ-like character, to grow in the fruit of the Holy Spirit, to use our giftings for his kingdom and for his glory. Somebody say his glory. So that when people see you and encounter you, they can sense the tangible presence of God and see God's gifting in you so it reminds them that God is not dead, that God is still on the throne, that he is still alive and active in the earth. And maybe, just maybe, if God uses you, just maybe he can use me too. Look at somebody and say, he can use you. And he wants to use you. He desires to use you. Amen? In Matthew chapter 16, verse 13 through 19, I want to read a few verses to you this morning to encourage you. And it says this in the New King James Version. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? 
And so some said John the Baptist, some said Elijah, others said Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Then he, Jesus, said to them, but who do you say that I am? And of course, Simon Peter spoke up and he answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah. Notice he changed his name there. Blessed are you, Peter Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you, I want you to watch this transition here. Are you watching? He went from saying, who do you say that I am, to then telling Peter who he was. Because when Peter got the revelation of who Jesus truly was, all of a sudden Jesus gave him the revelation of who he was. You cannot know yourself and who God's called you to be until you fully know him. Do you see the transition there? Now watch this. He says, and I say to you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom and of heaven, and whatsoever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatsoever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now, how many know that the Bible says that Jesus is the cornerstone, he is the rock? Come on, how many know that? Come on, talk to me. Do you know what Peter's name means in the Greek? It's called Petros. It's, it's pronounced uh, Petros, which means a piece of the rock, a stone. So if Jesus is the rock and a rock, then I am just a chip off the old block. So when you get the revelation of who Jesus is, you get the revelation of who, in other words, when you get a revelation of who he is, it should boomerang back into a revelation of who he's made you to be. And so, so what's the whole revelation? So if Jesus is saying, okay, I am the cornerstone, I am the living rock, I'm the cornerstone, then everything that comes from my family line is a piece of who I am. And, is, and who you are is, is God's gift to the earth. And so if you're a chip of the rock, and you're a chip of the rock, and I'm a piece of the rock, then all of us together make up the big cornerstone. And so what I'm trying to say is none of us are all of him, but all of us are some of him. Amen. Do you get what I'm saying? Look, just look at the area of gifting that you have. Do you know why the church is hurting so much? Do you know why we don't see the body of Christ at work? It's because we have one man shows, and that one man show is just the mouth. He's not the full body. And so what you see on Sunday morning, and generally in churches, you have a few volunteers, but most of the time, it's the pastor who's the mouth, right? He's kind of dragging the church along with just his mouth. But if all of us would enter into the area of gifting that God has called us to, you would see the fullness of the Godhead at work, and the church would be much more effective. You would see everyone getting involved that would make up, this is why we're called the body of, come on, can we say it one more time a little bit more emphatically? We're called the body of. So when we all get together on a Sunday morning and worship, if everybody were operating in their giftings fully, we would see Jesus at work like we've never seen him before. We would see needs met like we've never seen before. We would see the type of preaching and what we would see prophecy. We would see all the gifts of the spirit that are listed here in 1 Corinthians like we never have before. Do you know why people go to different churches in church hop? Come on, look just straight ahead. It's because they go somewhere finding out after a couple months that that church is lacking something too. And you finally find one and you're there for a few years and you find out they're lacking something because every church is lacking something and it's because of this reason right here. 
it's an epidemic is because none of us are fully operating in the gifting because if everyone were operating in their gifting, all the needs would be met. Come on, say it, preacher. We, if we all came together and make the fullness of the Godhead, but we don't see that. We see a couple of main ministers who are kind of running the show, so to speak, and everybody else comes and watches and observes, and they go home and they live their lives instead of being involved in the local body, affecting a community, affecting your home, affecting your workplace. Can I tell you more than ever, like I just said a little while ago, the nation needs us to get into the area that God has gifted us and not to fall silent into pew sitters. God needs us to get involved. He needs us and is calling us to get involved, to be the hands and feet of Jesus so that we can see a community and a nation shaken. Come on, somebody say amen to that. Number two, God wants us to find the area that he's gifted us the most, most with because we will find ultimate fulfillment. Somebody say fulfillment. You know, as a pastor, I get to sit with people a whole lot, right? I get to talk to people on the phone mostly because I drive a lot and that's where I conduct some of my counseling and I talk to people. More than ever, people are unfulfilled. More than ever. And you know why this is? It's not because they're not hearing great sermons. It's not because they're not going to church. They certainly are doing that. But it's because they haven't found the area of gifting where they have found fulfillment. Now, 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 on the surface, right off the surface or right off the cusp, this may sound selfish because God doesn't give us the gifts for us. He gives it for him. But can I tell you that you will find fulfillment when you are doing what you're born to do? When you find the calling that God has called you to and you step into that, it's like being a fish in the water. There's this man who gave an example of being in God's presence and living outside of God's presence. And I'd like to share it with you. So a person who is outside of their area of gifting and calling, they're extremely unfulfilled. I think we've established that. But I liken them to a fish out of water. And what'll happen to a fish is ultimately, it'll flop around a little while on the land, but ultimately it will asphyxiate and it will die. But a person who has found their area of gifting, and some fish die slower. I'll say this really quick. My friend Matthew, he had a large fish tank and he had a lot of fish. And I remember as we were younger, he had these fish for like 10 years. And one night, um, the, the tank malfunctioned, the heater malfunctioned, and it killed all of the fish that he had for like 10 years. And he said something profound. I believe this is what he said. I wonder if they screamed. I started thinking, and it sounds really funny, right? Because fish can't scream. But many people are in the church right now and are asphyxiating and are screaming, but they're silent. They're not operating in their gifting. They're hurting. They're wanting to be used by God. They're wanting to see God more at work in their life, but they're extremely unfulfilled and are dying inside. But when you operate in the area and the gifting that God has called you to, and you develop that gifting, you will feel fulfilled. You will feel used by the Lord. You'll see a special presence with you of the Holy Spirit that you've not seen ever before. Amen? How many want to feel fulfilled? The Dead Sea is, how many know what the Dead Sea is in Israel? 
the Dead Sea is called the Dead Sea because nothing lives in it. Nothing can live as high solids, high salts, so no fish can live in there. Now they're starting to see a spring come up actually in the Dead Sea, and they're saying that life is about to return to the Dead Sea, which is pretty cool and pretty prophetic. Did you know that, Tamaki? And so I begin to think about this, I think it was yesterday or the day before, how where the Dead Sea is positioned. It's 1,200 feet below sea level, making it the lowest point on planet Earth. Did anybody know that? And, but it's positioned in such a way that when it rains, everything that gets rained off of the shore or the mountainsides goes into the sea. So it's only in a position to receive, but yet nothing lives in it. And I thought about how this looks like most Christians is that when you decide to live in a place where you only receive and don't operate in your gifting, nothing can live in you. There's no life in you. And so I began to think about this this morning. If the Dead Sea were to simply have an outlet, a river, an outlet, it would produce life because most, most ecosystems are comprised of two things. A place where it receives rain, where it receives water, but it also gives. And some of you, if you were to simply get involved or get plugged in or grow in the area of gifting that God has called you to, it then puts you, put you, put you in a position where you have an advantage. You both receive and give. Some of you are only depressed and frustrated, not because God's not doing something in your life, but you've positioned yourself only in a way where you're receiving the word of God, but you're not exercising it in your life. What point is there for God to give us more if we haven't been faithful with what he's given us? I, lo I love this particular scripture. I was, in, I was in my office just earlier before I came out, and the Holy Spirit reminded me of Luke chapter 9, verse 24. And here's what it says. Whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Most Christians think that if I just eat enough of Christianity or I feed on enough services or I spend enough time with Jesus, I'm going to grow. Actually, it's the other way around. That is important to receive. But what's, as, what's just as important to receive is for you to position yourself to where you give of your resources, you give of your talents, you give of your skills, you give of the gifting of God in your life. And as you do so, you create this healthy ecosystem whereby you're flowing, you're full of life, you're both getting and you're receiving. Somebody say give and receive. And as you do that, your life will feel much more fulfilling as you get involved with the calling of God in your life, hone in your gift and give of yourself. But this is why people are losing their lives because they're trying to save it. I'm trying to get, I'm trying to grow, I'm trying to get resources. But if you balance it out by giving of your gifts, giving of your talents, you'll see God do some amazing things in your life. Come on, am I preaching to the wrong people this morning? Can I tell you this? Personally, there is nothing more satisfying when you're operating in the gifting that God has called you to. Can I tell you something very personal and private? And I, and I believe I have told this before, but I don't know how much, how honest I was. So just a few years ago, I was, in a, uh, I was, I was feeling really unfulfilled. Now here was the crazy thing. For 18 years, I had been believing the Lord to bring my company to a place that I had always wanted it to be, only to find out when I got there, I was miserable. Here's what was weird about it, is that everything was going absolutely perfect. 
There was nothing. I was, the money was there. Everything in the natural that I had dreamed of. I mean, the vision that I wrote down the year, all those years ago, everything was happening, but there was this emptiness inside of me. I was work, working in the painting industry, and I was up on top of a ladder, Benjamin, and I felt the Holy Spirit speak to me as loud as I'm speaking to you now. He said, you will never feel fulfilled as long as you're doing this for you. And I felt the Lord say, I'm about to change things. If you decide to obey the calling I've put on your life and give of yourself and lose your life, you'll find it. Because I felt I was looking for life. I was trying to, you know, we want the 401k. We want to put money aside. We want to have retirement. All those things are good. But if you're living your life only for those things and you're not living it for the kingdom, in an attempt to seek and save your life, you end up losing it and becoming miserable. And so as I stepped off that ladder, the Lord began to shift things in my life. And of course, we planted the church. And though I may not have everything that I want, can I tell you this? I am, I am super fulfilled because I'm fulfilling the calling that God has put in my life. And God, even if you're, it's not everything that you want and you do whatever it is he calls you to, I can guarantee you this. You may not have all the bells and the whistles, but you will feel fulfilled because there's nothing more validating than when you're operating in the gifting that God has called you to and living a life in obedience to him. There's nothing more satisfying than that. Look at somebody and say, live for him. And can I tell you, this is why most people get caught in sin cycles in their life, because they're not operating in the gifting that God has called them to. Because we are meant to fulfill a calling in this life. And when you're outside of that calling, you begin to malfunction spiritually. You begin to go and dabble in other things that you know that God hasn't called you to, that you know are wrong, but you find yourself in those things because you are trying to satisfy a need that the natural can't satisfy. Only God's spirit can. Only his calling, only his purposes in your life can. Where, where is that at, preacher? King David, and we've all heard it before. I remember when King David, and the Bible starts off by saying this, when it's talking about King David, the year when kings go out to battle, say to battle, the Bible says that David remained at home. The year when kings go out to battle, he stayed home. He wasn't operating in his calling. He's on a rooftop. Now we're talking about David, whom, G, whom God said, excuse me, Jesus hadn't walked on the earth yet, whom God said, I have found a man after my very own heart. He's both repentant and he loves me. He was a sweet psalmist. He was a warrior, but David was a warrior. That was his gift, but he stayed at home. And when he stayed at home, he got himself into trouble. The Bible says that he was on a rooftop and he looked down and he seen someone showering that he had no business looking upon. And he lays with this woman and gets this woman pregnant. And one sin always leads to another. As this woman gets pregnant, he goes and he murders his right-hand man and puts his front hand, right-hand man, his front man, in the heat of the battle and has this man killed just so he can take his wife. Because when you're not operating in the calling that God has gifted you with or anointed you with or called you to, you end up finding other ways to fulfill that time. And you feel, you feel other ways. You try to fill certain voids in your life. And you get caught in this sin cycle that's hard to get out of once you find yourself in it. Look at somebody and say, find your calling. What is it that God has called you to specifically this morning? I want you to answer that. I'm going to wait a long, awkward moment to give you time to think about that. What has God called you to 
that you are not fulfilling. And if you are operating in a level of it, is it to the highest degree that you know you should be operating in? What has he called you to? And if you may say in here, well, none of the nine uh, gifts of the Spirit represent me. If you go on to read throughout the Scripture, it talks about gifts of, of, of administration. Now, my wife doesn't like to come up on the mic and prophesy. She likes to sing background, but she's extremely administrative. Some of you can walk in this room, and within 30 seconds, you can tell everything that's out of place. You, you see the stuff on the floor, and then we have these questions. Why didn't they do this? Well, maybe you're the answer to that prayer. Have you ever thought about that? You may recognize that one of the banners are crooked, or, 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 or maybe, maybe one of the panels need to be kind of adjusted. Some of you are great at decor, so maybe, maybe you're not necessarily a... a, a, a operate in the office of a prophet, but maybe you're administrative. Maybe you're great with numbers. Maybe you have the best smiling face who knows how to greet people like nobody does. Whatever that gifting is, God has gifted us all to fulfill a role in the body of Christ. Are you operating in that gifting? And I can guarantee you, as you step out of yourself, step out of your comfort zone and operate in that gift, you will have a fulfilled life because you're both honoring God with the gifting that he's given you and you're feeling fulfilled because you know that's what you're called to do in the earth, to bless the body of Christ. Come on, somebody say amen to that. Number three, the reason God has gifted us is to equip the church. Now, I feel this is one of the most important things because more than ever before, we have to get equipped. We have to get beyond, as I said before, of sitting and just absorbing and, and listening and then leaving and going about our business. We have to have opportunities to grow in our gifting, even if it's just doing it privately, reading books on whatever it is that God has called you to. And I, can I tell you this? I know I'm not as extreme as Smith Wigglesworth, but the Bible is the only book he ever read. One of the most gifted mans to the body of Christ. How many know who Smith Wigglesworth is? Amazing man of God. One of my favorite. They called him the apostle of faith. He was so extreme. He would, I remember, this is extraordinary. There was a baby who couldn't walk. And this baby was literally put up on the pulpit. And he takes his foot and he nudges the baby off the stage and the baby lands on its feet. Could never walk before. There was people with cancerous diseases he didn't have many gifts. Listen, did you know he said he, he couldn't read? He would try to read something else, and he said, I couldn't, I couldn't read it. He would try to read the newspaper. He would try to read other books, and he literally couldn't comprehend it. The Bible was the only book he'd ever read and could understand. But somebody would have cancer, and I remember one doctor was present with his, one of his cancer patients, and he brings him to Smith, and Smith punches him in the stomach. And the worst thing you do to a cancer patient is punch him in the stomach. You nudged him in the stomach. The guy falls on the ground like he's dead. And the doctor says, we're going to sue you. We're going to sue you. And so five, Smith just continues on down the prayer line as if nothing ever happened while the doctor chases him down. He turns around. There's a crowd around this man. The man stands up. He's completely healed and cancer-free because he was operating in his gifting. When you operate in your gifting, you get the best results. Not only do you feel the most fulfilled, but you, you get the best results. And so listen, as although your gift reflects God, it reflects the sun, as I said before, although it brings you fulfillment, it's also to equip the local 
body and your gift, whatever that area of gifting is, if it's administratively, you may know how to clean like nobody's business, right? You may, you may have a certain a gift of the spirit that nobody else has. You, you, you may have, you know, whatever that gifting is, it is your call to help equip the local body. Your neighbor is supposed to benefit from your strength and you're supposed to benefit from theirs and their strengths will strengthen your weaknesses and vice versa. But it's a gift to the body of Christ to strengthen the local body, which kind of brings me to another point that God has a macro and a micro plan. Do you understand what I mean by that? There's a micro plan is meaning a smaller plan. Like he has plans for our specific destiny and our specific purpose, right? What he's called us to. But he also has a plan for the state. He also has a plan for the U.S. He also has a plan for the world. There's macro and there's micro plans. So the small plan is, yes, that God wants your gifting to bless your family, to strengthen your family. He also wants to be able to utilize it to bless and strengthen and equip the church. But he also wants to use the gift to shake a nation. Come on, you guys are looking at me like you have no faith this morning. Come on. To shake a nation, to shake a community to bless the body of Christ at large. So not just in small measure, but in large measure. Look at somebody and say, God wants to use you. God wants to use you. If I could show you this diagram, the only reason I didn't show you this this morning is because I'm not very good at drawing. God, I, I wasn't in that line. <laughs> he didn't gift me with that one. But, but recently I drew a stick figure. And how many know what the fivefold ministry is? Call it out if you do. What's the fivefold ministry? Come on. Apostle, pastor, teacher, evangelist, prophet, right? The five-fold gifts. Apostle, everybody say apostle. Prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. This is what the Bible calls the five-fold ministry. It's for the equipping of the saints. So I drew this picture, stick figure, and I felt the Holy Spirit breathed on it. And he said, the apostle is the neck of the ministry, Jesus being the head, Okay. He's the neck. He turns the ministry. The apostle oversees the work of the local church, which you don't really don't see that. Usually it's just the pastor. But in the early church, the apostles oversaw the church and their works. So he's the one who kind of steers the ministry. He makes sure that they stay in line both biblically and spiritually and morally. And all those lines, he's the apostle. He's the overseer. Now, the thumb, which is the apostle, touches all the other ministries. He also can function as a, as a pastor. He can also function as a prophet and teacher and so on. And so as I begin to draw the stick figure, I notice that, okay, the apostle, he can turn the neck. In other words, he governs the, the ministry. The, the arms of the ministry is the pastor. He's the one who loves and cares for the sheep. He's the one who loves them, combs them. He feeds them. He calls them and asks how they're doing, Right? And then you've got the evangelist, who's the legs or the feet of the ministry. He's the one who goes out and gets the fish and brings them in. He's the one who goes and shares the gospel. He gives the people the good news. He gets people saved and brings them to the church. And then you have the back, which is the teacher. He's the one who makes sure they stay on biblical lines. He's a teacher. Generally, you see them in, um, as professors these days in universities. Because these days, you don't see a whole lot of the prophet. You don't see a whole lot of the teacher. They're usually in universities, or the prophets go and start their own church, and they're generally uh, super deep and super spiritual, but they're not usually mega churches. The evangelists 
are usually mega churches, but what you'll see with the evangelists, if they start a ministry, they're generally very large ministries, mega church, but there's no real in-depth teaching and discipleship. Do you understand what I'm saying? And so, but when you get all five of these underneath the same umbrella, you will see the body of Christ strengthened. And this is why it's so important that we come together and we all function in our own lane. Look at somebody and say, stay in your lane. <laughs> stay in your lane in Jesus' name. And you will see the body of Christ strengthen and develop and become healthy and whole. Lastly, as I close, God gave us gifts not just on that micro level that I talked about, but on this macro level to expand the kingdom. So it's not only just for our own personal fulfillment. It's not just to reflect Jesus, the son. It's not just to equip the local church, but it's for kingdom expansion on a larger level because God wants to grow his family. God wants us to spread out just beyond our four walls I was thinking this morning in worship, there's a part where in the Old Testament where the ministers are worshiping and the anointing and the presence of God flows so much that it begins, it was talking about the oil leaking out over the threshold and into the streets. Meaning if God is truly among us, he won't stay just among us. The kingdom will expand. It will expand beyond our borders, beyond our church walls or beyond a denomination. I was going to say our denomination, but we don't have one. Does everybody understand what I'm saying? God's idea is kingdom expansion. He wants us to spread out. I love this scripture in Mark chapter 16, and it says this, and he said to them, who said to them? Jesus said to them, go into all the world. Go into your workplace. Go into your own home. Go into your own sphere of influence? No, he didn't say that. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature and he who believes is baptized and saved and, and so on. But God is calling us to go just beyond our borders. I love what Madi shared this morning when we were in the back just chatting amongst ourselves. She was telling us about, is it okay if I tell this story? I want you to tell it next week. I'll, I'm probably gonna butcher it just a little bit. But in short, she Ubered here. And normally she drives her vehicle. Her husband stayed at home. She had to come and help lead worship. And she gets in the car with the Uber driver and she begins to share the Lord with him and begin to give hope and begin to share Jesus with him and how God was using her. And the gentleman starts crying as she's sharing the Lord. And I thought, that's what it's all about. And I thought to myself, do you know how many people we pass coming here you remember when Jesus was going to do ministry? He was going to Jairus' house to heal the daughter. And the Bible says, but a woman came up behind him and stopped him. She stopped him while he was on his way to church. There's so many people who are so bent on getting to church that we miss the little moments getting there. And that's what Jesus is all about, kingdom expansion. He's about using us on our way, right? So as we're doing church, the, the, the most devastating thing I see in, in the body of Christ at large is that, that we come to church. We're really good at doing that. We're come, we come together. We worship and we love on Jesus, but we're not really doing much outside of that. And God desires us to go beyond the borders, to, to, to have this kingdom expansion mindset where we go to every creature, where you talk to your neighbors, my wife was telling me just yesterday, I thought this was, this was funny. 
I pulled up with all these large bread bins in the back of the truck to my house. And, you know, my wife mentioned to me, she said, you know, there's nobody on our block we've handed out bread to. I thought to myself, I felt the conviction of the Lord. I still didn't do it, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm just going to be honest. I said, I'm going to. Lord, I'm tired right now, but I'm going to. But this morning, I had an opportunity for kingdom expansion. I'm on my way to church. I'm late. I'm usually here by about 8.15. I try to be here by 8.15. I like to prepare. I like to pray. There was a gentleman walking on the side of the road, and I recognized him. I recognized him from church, not this church. He's a young man, maybe 20, 19 or 20. And I felt the Holy Spirit turn around. I said, turn around. I said, oh, Lord Jesus, I'm late. I felt like Jesus going to Jairus. I'm like, I'm going to do ministry, Lord. I can't stop. I drove for almost a mile. And I heard that gnawing voice. And he said to me, here's what the Holy Spirit said. So you're going to go tell people on how to hear my voice this morning, and yet you're not going to listen? I turned around. I turned around and scooped him up, and he began to share with me as I picked him up. He was on his way to work. He was walking. He, it was a few miles for him to walk. And so I picked him up, and I began to talk with him and share with him, began to hear where his heart was at. But it was a God moment. And I thought to myself, this is what it's all about. Don't get so busy, and tr- let's not get trapped in our own Christian bubble. God is all about kingdom expansion. Do you think God cared that I was going to be late? No, he didn't care. He cared about people. And so that's, the Lord taught me a lesson this morning. Don't pass by the little important moments. Because I was about to go use my gifting, right? Come here, be with you guys, you know, worship with the Lord. But the Lord was saying, listen, what's most important is the one. You remember how the Bible says that it gives this analogy this parable about the lost sheep. He says, who will not leave the 99 just to go find the one? Because he cares about the one. You know what I wonder? How many people, I want you to think about this. How many people do you pass by who can use your gifting? A gifting that would draw them to himself that we miss each and every day in our workplace in the grocery store. So we talked about it on a micro level. We talked about the church. But what about privately as well? What gifting has God given you that is a sign to the world that he's alive and that he's active? It's a tool that he's given you. It's a lure to bring people into the kingdom. Not a lure in a negative way, but a gift that would grab someone's hand and link it to his hand. Stand with me, would you? Somebody say, I'm gifted. gifted. What has he gifted you with? I'm going to share one last quick story and we'll close. I was thinking about this morning about the five loaves and two fish. And five loaves and two fish for 5,000 people. Remember when Jesus went to go feed the 5,000 people with five loaves and two fish? In the disciples' hands alone, 
the bread and fish wouldn't have got past 15 people. But when they put it in the master's hands, it all of a sudden grew and multiplied. Your gifting, though it might be small and seem insignificant, if this morning you put that gift in your heavenly father's hands, he'll multiply it. He'll grow it. He'll strengthen it. He'll anoint it. You know, I'm in a phase in my life where I'm, I'm asking the Lord, did you know you can do that? Say, Lord, anoint me more. Lord, gift me with, with greater gifts. Do you know the problem with the guy with one talent versus the guy with five talents? The guy with five talents, he obviously used his gifting. The guy with one talent, do you know why God, God, God got mad at him? Is because he planted what he was supposed to reveal and he revealed what was supposed to be planted. You didn't hear what I said. Or you would have said amen. He revealed his fear of not wanting to use the gift. That's why he buried it. So he buried what he should have allowed the Lord to deal with. Does everybody hear what I'm saying? Don't allow fear in your life keep you from operating in the gifting that God has called you to. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope this message impacted you today. If you'd like to support Ascension Christian Center, simply go to ascensionchristiancenter.com and click the gift tab or text ACCFL to 77977. Interested in hearing more? Check back weekly for new messages. Have a great day.